All righty. Well, we'll go ahead and get into our uh, Bible lesson for tonight. And then, of course, once we're finished with the Bible lesson, uh, we'll take a few moments if you've thought of a request. And we'll give you an opportunity to share that. And then we'll close in a season of prayer. So, be in Genesis chapter number 22. Genesis chapter number 22, continuing our study through the book of Genesis and as a result, uh, the life of Abraham. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot we can learn from the life of Abraham. And the passage that we come to tonight is, um, th there's a lot in this passage. I'm telling you what, this is a, a powerful passage. I was, I was praying today and I, and I told the Lord, I said, the, the older I get, the more I read your word, the more shallow I realize my understanding is. Because, boy, I'm telling you what, there is so much in the word of God. And a lot of times we look at these stories and we've, we've heard these stories our whole life. And that's good that we've heard them. It's good that we're familiar with them. But we almost we lose the power of the story because we're so familiar with them. And so we come here to Genesis chapter number 22. We're looking at the sacrifice of Isaac. And as we look at this, this uh, account of the sacrifice of Isaac, we see that this is the account of a test that goes beyond anything Abraham has faced in his life prior to this. This is a test like nothing he has ever seen before. Since the, God, since the day that God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. Since the day that he called him out, Abraham's life has been a life of faith. Uh, he was sent to look for a city whose builder and baker was God. He didn't know where he was going. God said he would direct him. He left his homeland to go find this city. He, was, uh, he and Sarah were barren. They had been barren their entire uh, married life, and God told them he was going to give them a son. And on and on we could go. From the day one, from the day that Abraham put his trust in God, he was living a life of faith. Now we look at Abraham as a unique individual. But in truth, he is an example of how we're all to live. But we like to live by sight. We like to see. We like to understand. Uh, we like to have things explained. And truthfully, Abraham stands out as a unique individual, although the life that Abraham lived, the way that he lived, is how we all should live. Abraham stands out as unique because we don't all live that way. But God holds Abraham up uh, as an example of someone who believed God. The Bible says it was counted as righteousness because uh, he believed God. And so we look here tonight and we see that Abraham is going to encounter a test that goes above and beyond leaving your family behind. It goes above and beyond believing that God can give a child to a barren couple. In this chapter, God asked Abraham to offer Isaac as a burnt sacrifice. And there's a wonderful comparison uh, between Abraham and Isaac and this sacrifice and the sacrifice of our Savior on Calvary. And we will probably be looking at that comparison next week. I mean a tremendous comparison. But in this in tonight's lesson, we're going to be looking at Abraham's faith, the extent of his faith in obeying God in this sacrifice. God asked Abraham to give back that which had motivated Abraham's faith. You see, all through Abraham's life, all through following God, 
there was a motivator. God said, you believe me, I'll give you a son. When I give you a son, I'll make of you a great nation. So although Abraham was exhibiting faith in God that God would give him the son, the son was the motivation for his faith. In this test, God's taken away the motivation and saying, do you still believe me? This is a tremendous uh, test. He's asking Abraham to relinquish the one thing that he has lived his life waiting to obtain. He's asking Abraham to turn loose of the only physical evidence he has that God's going to make good on his promise. The account we're looking at tonight is heavy. There's a lot here. Boy, I'm telling you what, there is so much to be seen. And because of that, this passage of Scripture can be difficult to understand. Uh, whenever we begin to think through why would God ask this of Abraham, uh, it can become difficult for us in our minds to process. But the message is powerful in this passage in relation to how God wants us to surrender to Him based on nothing but the fact that we believe Him. And boy, I'm telling you what, there is a powerful message here. So we're going to read Genesis chapter number 22. We're going to read verse 1 down through uh, verse number uh, verse number 12. Uh, let's see here. Uh, no, we're going to read a little farther than that. We're going to read um, down through verse number 14. Genesis chapter number 22, we're going to read verse 1 down through verse number 14. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. The word tempt there means test. Uh, God is not tempting Abraham with evil. He is testing Abraham's faith. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar of off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall 
be seen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you. Uh, Father, that although, as Brother Danny mentioned in Sunday school the other morning, Lord, we have heard uh, these messages and these sermons. Lord, we've heard them preach over and over. Lord, hundreds and some of them even thousands of times. Father, I thank you that your word holds true. I thank you that it can still feed us. It can still instruct us. It can still challenge us. And Father, I pray that you will help us, uh, Lord, to allow your word to speak to us tonight. And Lord, as we look at this example of Abraham and the faith that he exhibited, Father, I pray that you will help us, uh, Lord, to be challenged, that, Father, we develop that type of faith in you, that, Father, we are able to do whatever it is that you require of us, Father, simply based on the fact that we trust you. Thank you, Father, for putting these examples in your word. Help us, Father, as we look into these things. I pray you bless the service tonight. I pray, dear Lord, that you be with the many requests we've mentioned. Father, so many folks in need of you, in need of your presence, in need of your healing, in need of your comfort. Father, I pray that you'll touch and be with each one. I pray for the kids' programs tonight. I pray, dear Lord, for the, uh, those that are teaching the young people. I pray for those that are teaching the teens. I pray for those working in the kitchen, preparing the meals. Lord, everything that's going on, Father, I pray that you will use it. Lord, that you, we might plant in the hearts of these young people, Lord, the truth of your word, so that, Lord, as they become adults, that, Father, they will remain faithful to you, I pray. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless us in the service tonight. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. As we look at this account, there are several things that I want to point out, but the first thing I want us to notice tonight is we've already talked about it a little bit, and that is the ultimate test. The ultimate test. As I said in the introduction, Abraham's life was a life of faith. Uh, Abraham up to this point, before this test, has exhibited more faith uh, than a lot of us have ever exhibited. He has shown uh, his faith in God. Uh, he has exhibited his belief in what God said over and over and over again. Every step of his journey has been a step of faith. Everything that he's done has been a step of faith. In addition to this life of faith, uh, God has tested Abraham over and over and over again. And I've got a list of tests here, and I'll be honest with you, I've got this list of tests uh, from uh, someone else, uh, but they're really good, so I'm going to share them with you. But there's a list of tests that Abraham had already faced uh, as he was going through life. At the beginning of the story, we find that he passed the family test. Whenever he left behind his homeland, he left behind his kindred, he left behind everything that he knew in Ur of the Chaldees to follow God. He, fought, he passed the family test in stepping out to follow God and abandoning all that was familiar to him. It wasn't long, though, before we find that Abraham failed the famine test when he left the promised land to go down into Egypt because there was a famine in the land. He failed the famine test. Trouble came and Abraham failed and went to Egypt. And once he got back in the promised land, we see that he passed the fellowship test. Whenever he offered to Lot, he said, we've got to separate, but I want you to pick first. I want you to pick the land that suits you. I want you to go first. He passed the fellowship test. He also passed the fight test when he defeated the five kings that were seeking to overthrow the cities of the plain and had captured Lot. He also passed the fortune test when after that victory the king of Sodom said, I want to, I want to give you the spoils. I want to make you wealthy. And Abraham said, I don't need your wealth. He passed the fortune test. We see that he failed though 
when he came to the fatherhood test because he tried to find another way to provide an heir by having a relationship with Hagar that he could provide this heir. But then we seen just a couple weeks ago that he passed the farewell test. Whenever it came time that Ishmael had to go and God said, no, Sarah's right, Ishmael has to go. Abraham's heart was broken that he had to let his son go. But he believed God and he let him go. As we look through this list of tests, we can see that each one of these situations required Abraham to exhibit faith in God in order to pass the test. He had to believe God in order to abandon his family. He had to believe God in order to stay in the promised land during the famine. He had to believe God to... Uh, to and trust that if he let Lot pick first, God would still take care of him. He had to believe that God was able to take him and 300 servants and defeat five kings. He had to believe God when he turned away the king of Sodom's offer for fortune. He had to believe that God would provide for him. Over and over and over we see instances where Abraham was required to believe God. And as we look at these tests, we can make comparison to our own lives and the lives of other individuals. And we can see how that these are the things where our faith fails. We see that folks will have faith in God until it comes time to leave their family, and then their faith fails. There may be some who believe God until a time of great need comes, and then they give in and go back to the world. They may believe God until they're offered a fortune. Then they turned their back on God for the fortune. Over and over we see. But Abraham passed each one of these tests. He, he, or he passed a majority of these tests. And we see that in each instance, whether, whether he passed or whether he failed, in each test he gained a greater understanding of God. And in each test he strengthened his ability to trust in God. Now you say, well, how about when he failed? How did that How did that? strengthen his faith. Well, whenever he went into Egypt, instead of trusting God in the famine, he quickly realized that it would have been better to have trusted God. When in the situation with Hagar and Ishmael, uh, he right away realized that it would have been better to have trusted God. And a lot of times there's tests that come into our life to strengthen our faith. Sometimes we pass them, sometimes we fail them, but in every instant we understand that, that it's better to trust God. And so Abraham has went through uh, decades of following God. He's went through decades of being tested, decades of learning to depend on God. And now here in chapter 22, it's time for the ultimate test. It's time to see if Abraham is willing to lay everything down for God. As I said earlier, up to this point, Abraham had had a motivation. Now I'm not saying that he wasn't trusting God, but there was something to gain, something to gain from trusting God. Now God is saying, I want you to trust me when there's nothing to gain. I want you to trust me when there is nothing available. In verses 1 and 2 it said, And it came to pass that after these things God did tempt Abraham and said to Abraham, and, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. In this test, God is taking away every physical, tangible reward for his faith. And he's asking Abraham to step out on nothing. 
You know what? A lot of times our faith is motivated. Well, if I believe God, I'll have a home in heaven. If I believe God, everything will work out. If I believe God, He'll take care of me. And although we do believe God, we're believing God in exchange for what He can give us. God's saying, Abraham, here's your final test. I'm asking you to believe me, and I'm taking it all away. Everything. There's no motivation. There's no promise. There's no reward. Just believe me. As I prepared this lesson, in honesty, I don't think I've ever been tested to this level. I've never been asked, am I willing to lay everything down? fully believing from what I've been told that if I take this step, God is going to take everything I love away from me. I've never been tested to that level, but Abraham was. God offered Abraham nothing. He gave him no explanation. He gave him no reasoning. He gave him no promise. He simply said, Abraham, trust me. I'm telling you what, that's a step of faith like none other. In this request, there's no promise of blessing, no mention of a reward, no motivation for his obedience. All that God is giving Abraham in this request, all he's given him is an impossible task. I want you to do something you cannot do. And the only reason I'm giving you for it is because I've asked you to do it. I'm telling you what, this is an ultimate test. I believe in this test God's teaching Abraham something and I pray that we can learn from Abraham's example and apply this to our life. God is teaching Abraham that our faith has not been truly tested until we are asked to bear what is unbearable. Our faith's not truly been tested until uh, we are asked to do what seems unreasonable and to expect what seems impossible. Until then, our faith has not been truly tested. But whenever we are tested to that level, the only way we can obey is if we trust on the promises of God rather than relying on explanations. Much of my faith, and I dare say our faith, is based on explanations. If you, God will. If you, God will. We have explanations. Here's the reason for it. But whenever you're tested to this level, there's no explanation. Abraham only had one thing he could depend on. God had promised him that I will give you a son and from that son I will make you the father of many nations. Abraham did not know how this was going to work. God had asked him to sacrifice Isaac. He had no idea how this was going to work out, how there was still going to be fathers. Of, Isaac was going to be the father of many nations. But he knew that the only way he would pass this test is to trust the promise, not the explanation. The promise said many nations will come from Isaac. And we can see later in the passage that this is what Abraham counted on because he told the young men, he said, we will return. He had no explanation. God didn't tell him how it was going to work. God didn't tell him how he made the request. But Abraham was ready for the test because the past years of a life of faith had brought him to a place where he no longer needed to understand. Boy, I'm telling you what, whenever we get to the place 
that we no longer need to understand why God is doing what he's doing. We find a liberty in life that is unexplainable when I no longer have to know. Now, I can't say that I've gotten there. Maybe sometimes in little things, like if I have a flat tire on the way somewhere, I, I really don't struggle with why did the Lord let me have a flat tire anymore, I, you know, probably because it was an old tire, you know, and so I don't, don't really, but, but there are some folks who every little thing that comes into their life, they're questioning God. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this happen to me? Why, am I, why is it raining today? And everything is personal attack from God against them, and they have to have everything explained, and they live a life of frustration trying to understand everything. When you get to the point that you trust God enough, you no longer need Him to explain I'm telling you, it gives you a liberty in life that is beyond comprehension because you're simply trusting that he knows. It's up to him. He knows why we're just depending on him. Abraham had came to this point that he had, he had lived a life of faith long enough that he no longer needed to understand. He simply was able to trust God. He fully relied on God's wisdom and he was willing to follow even when it didn't make sense. How God was going to raise up a nation through Isaac was definitely unclear. But Abraham was living according to the promise, not according to his own understanding. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, we all quote this verse many times, Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. We quote it and quote it and quote it. We claim it as our life verse. But my goodness, do we like understanding. We want to know. But boy, what freedom we find when we are able to trust in the Lord and lean not unto our own understanding. We see here that Abraham had reached a point that his personal comprehension was unnecessary. Wasn't a requirement for his obedience. The fact that God wanted him to do it was all that was required. And because of this, because of this, we see in verse 3 through 8, we see Abraham's unwavering obedience. His unwavering obedience. In verse 3 it says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. We see unwavering obedience. It was an ultimate test, but Abraham responded unwavering obedience. I see four things in these verses concerning Abraham's obedience. First, I see that Abraham prioritized God's will. He prioritized obeying God. Uh, this became his priority. Uh, God spoke to him and he said, Abraham, here is what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. And immediately, early the next morning, Abraham was, in, uh, was up and going about doing God's will. Now, I don't know about you, but if God asked me to sacrifice my son, I'd need some time to meditate on that. There's a lot of things if the Lord asked me to do it, it takes me some time to meditate on it. Nowhere near as big as sacrificing my son. But he said, this is what I want you to do. And Abraham prioritized God's will. What God wants is most important. In verse 3 it said, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. He got up uh, and he got busy. We see next that he prepared 
for God's will. He prepared for God's will. It says, and saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering. He got up early and he got busy preparing to do what God had asked him to do. But not only did he prioritize and prepare for, but then we see that he pursued God's will. He went after what God had told him to do. This is what God wants. I am going after it. It says, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. I find it interesting that once again God told Abraham, he said, I want you to go somewhere that I'll show you. But you know what? This was little stuff for, for Abraham now. He'd been letting God tell him where to go for a long time. So this was little stuff. The big thing was taking his son, but this wasn't a problem. Abraham pursued God's will. And then in verse number 4, we see that he persevered in God's will. Many times whenever we think about this sacrifice, we think Abraham got up, grabbed Isaac, and by noon he had him on the altar. We miss this phrase in verse number 4. Then on the third day, you know what, sometimes I can get myself motivated. I've got something difficult to do. When I used to work at the sawmill, uh, they had a job cleaning the, cleaning the uh, belts, the sawdust belts, and nobody liked to do it at all. Everybody hated it, but it paid more money and was better hours because you, you uh, came in later than everybody so that you could stay a little later and everybody to clean the chain, and it paid uh, 50 cents or a dollar more an hour to clean the, the sawdust chain. Uh, but nobody wanted to do it because it's just a hateful job. And so I said, I'll do it. I'll take that job. And uh, everybody would leave. And, and the way it worked out was I had like three hours after everybody left. Well, I'd have sawdust chain cleaned in 30 minutes. I mean, it didn't take no time. I'd clean that sawdust chain, sweep it out real good, and then I'd sit down and read a book till quitting time. I mean, it was, it was a gravy job. I loved it. The folks that didn't want to do it, they're like, how do you do it? I, I mean, I tried that job, and it's so nasty and so sweaty, and I get down in there in them belts, and that sawdust falling in my eyes, and it's just, it's just hateful. And how do you do it? I said, I just do it. <laughs> I just jump in, knock it out, go wash my face, and I'm done. I, just, I don't worry about the trouble. I just get focused on the job and get it done. And you know what? A lot of times when there's something difficult to do, we can attack it with that kind of fervor. You know, I know this is going to be difficult, but I'm just going to, I'm going to knock it out and get it done. But a lot of times if those difficult jobs go on and on, as if I would have had to clean that belt endlessly, I'd have got sick of it. We see here that God told Abraham to do something very difficult. And Abraham packed up and they left. And three days later, they're still walking. Can you imagine the conversation between Isaac and Abraham as they're going on the way? We know from just a little bit later in the passage that Isaac was unaware of what was taking place. He was just going with that. Abraham knows full well. Abraham's mind is full of questions. Although he is trusting God, his mind is still full of questions. Don't mistake that. We're humans. Our minds are still full of questions. So his mind is still full of questions. He's got Isaac with him. He don't want to tell Isaac what's going on for three days. Where, where are we going again, Dad? Going to make a sacrifice. Oh, okay, okay. Where is it? God said he'd show me. Well, Isaac's used to this by now. Okay, all right. Make camp, set up camp. Isaac's building the campfire. So they can cook dinner that night. What's going through Abraham's mind as he sees that fire starting to kindle and fire coming up through there? 
going to be doing this to my son. Can you think about that? This starts getting heavy. This starts getting weighty. Three days. But he persevered. This is what God has asked me to do. I'm going to do it. Sometimes, you know, God will ask us to do something, and at the initial calling, it seems exciting. I think of Brother Andrew Smith, the initial calling to be a pilot in a foreign land. Wow, this seems exciting. Ten years later, still trying to finish all the necessary schooling, it gets long. But he persevered in God's will. This is what God has called me to. The excitements wore off. The new factors wore off. The glamours wore off. But I'm still pressing on doing what God has called me to do. You know something God needs out of his servants today is he needs servants that will persevere. He needs servants that are willing to get in for the long haul. Servants that are willing to keep going uh, when it's no longer fun. Servants that will just keep pushing for the glory of God. And we see here that Abraham persevered in God's will. The last thing I want to point out tonight about this ultimate test of Abraham's faith, though, is his unconditional surrender. His unconditional surrender. It says in verse number 9, And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, when we get looking at this a little more next week, we may talk about how old Isaac was and some things about that. But what we see here is both Isaac and Abraham were surrendered to the will of God. You know, oftentimes we look at this and we just don't think about the bond between father and son. But whenever God told Abraham to go, he said, I want you to take Isaac, whom thou lovest. There was a bond between father and son. There was a closeness. Abraham was giving up the son he had lived for. Isaac knew of the promise. He knew of what God had told him. He knew what God was planning to do him. He was giving it up. This was ultimate surrender, both on Abraham and Isaac's part. They both were willing to obey God. Isaac allowed Abraham to bind him and Abraham laid him on the altar. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Still no explanation. Totally, 100% confident in God's promise. I'm telling you what, this man was an icon. He is somebody we ought to attain to be like. He's picking up the knife. It is time to do what God had said. Because he believed God, the impossible became possible. The unthinkable became rational. The unexplainable became acceptable. How could you offer your son? Because God told me to. How could you expect that God's going to raise nations of him? Because God said he would. How can you think that this is, is a rational thing to do? Because God said. You know what? There's a lot of things that we do as Christians that the world makes fun of. And a lot of Christians back off doing them because the world says they're irrational. Whenever we believe God, what the world says is irrational becomes rational. It makes sense. Why? Because God said so. And you know what? We as Christians, 
It is good that the Bible says that we can give a reason of the hope that lies within us. It's good when we can defend our faith. But we need to get back to just letting the world know, I do this because God said so. Don't feel like we have to explain it. Don't feel like we have to excuse our behavior. God said it. I believe it. I'm doing it. Like it or not, I believe God. Here in this passage, we see that Abraham examined a level of faith that honestly, I don't even know if I can understand. But boy, I can look at it and learn from it. He no longer questioned. He no longer doubted. He no longer stumbled. Abraham's life was fully submitted to God. Now think about this. His life was fully submitted to God, not because of fear, not because of obligation. His life was fully submitted to God because he believed God. There are some who are submitted to God, but they're submitted to God because of fear. Well, well, if I don't do what God said, God's going to judge me. If If I don't avoid that sin, judgment will fall. If I don't keep myself clean, boy, I don't know what might happen in my life. So they stay faithful to God, but they stay faithful to God out of fear. Some stay faithful to God out of obligation. Uh, You know, I'm a pastor, and so, you know, there's certain certain things I can and cannot do because I'm pastor of a church. You know, this is an obligation. Uh, There's things that I have to do, and so there may be an appearance of being faithful to God in some folks' life that's really just out of obligation. Abraham wasn't faithful because of fear. He wasn't faithful because of obligation. He was faithful because he believed God. And boy, I'm telling you what, Whenever we, if we could ever reach this level, can you imagine the liberty that we would have in our life? I believe God. I'm doing what God said because I believe his promises. Abraham was able to obey without hesitation. And in the midst of his obedience, he passed the test. God was pleased. Look at verse uh, Verse 11, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham passed the test. Everything he had belonged to God. He trusted God with every aspect of his life. There was nothing that he would withhold from God. I've read this, these verses in the past, and, and many times if you look at uh, well-intended Sunday school literature, you read this here where God, or the angel of the Lord spake out of heaven and, and said, Abraham, Abraham, and we see a terrified, trembling Abraham looking up at God with a hopeful expression that God's going to let him out of this. But as I looked at this lesson this time, I think that's a misrepresentation. Abraham was fully committed to what God wanted him to do. He'd been heading here for three days. He was fully committed. He got the knife and the angel Lord said, Abraham, and he's like, here I am. Yeah, what else you need? Well, anything, something, what do you, I don't think there was a terror. I don't think there was a, I think it was full surrender. Why do I think that? Because you've got to be fully surrendered to be willing to give back everything you've ever worked for. And he was giving it back fully, 100% surrendered to God. He trusted God with every aspect of his life. And in doing so, 
Abraham provided you and I with an example. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that without faith is impossible to please him. But when I look at my life, I realize that a lot of my faith is understanding-based. What I call faith, a lot of times is still living by sight. We need to look at Abraham and say, Lord, let us get to that place where we don't have to understand, we don't have to know. We're willing to simply trust you. Whatever you ask, willing to obey you. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness.